voice of prayer as we pray for our nation today. Lord, thank you today that we can gather in this place for freedom that we have in our country. Lord, we thank you that we can worship you. And Lord, today as we honor our country, we pray for it, Lord. So many needs, so many things that we, we just need to turn back over to you, Lord, to control. But today, Lord, as we, we thank you for what you have given us, may we honor you through it as well as worship and the country that you have given us that we love so much. We pray all this in your precious name. Amen. You may be seated. We do want to welcome you this morning to Brian's for Baptist Church. And so glad that you're with us on this very special Sunday morning as we do celebrate our freedom as Americans to be blessed with such a great nation, but most importantly, as brothers and sisters in Christ, because we recognize that we are here for a solemn reason, and that is to worship, that is to praise, that is to give all glory to our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we're so glad we have that opportunity today. For those of you that are joining us through, te through television or through Facebook Live, we want to welcome you this morning and so glad that you are with us. For those of you on Facebook Live, there in the comment section, we'd love for you to let us know that you're there. And uh, so glad that you could join us today in uh, this very special service. And for those of you, this is your maybe first time to visit with us. You're a guest this morning. Uh, we want to welcome you as well. And there in front of you, in the pew in front of you, there is a card. If you'll take that card and fill it out and place it in the offering plate. Uh, we appreciate that. helps us to know of your attendance, and we then know how to pray for you and minister to you and your family in, in a greater way. And uh, today we have uh, the privilege of, of continuing to worship through song and through the Word of God. Uh, I do want to remind you that tonight is going to be a Family Life Sunday, and so we'll give you an opportunity to do some special things. And one of those special things is uh, about 2 o'clock this afternoon, I think it says 1 o'clock in the bulletin, but about 2 o'clock we're going to be leaving uh, from the, the church, and we're going to be going to a, a concert in Madisonville, a lot of different uh, worship uh, that'll be going on there tonight, and uh, then uh, follow that up by uh, fireworks and stuff, but a wonderful opportunity for us to celebrate as a church family. Anybody would like to join us in that, uh, we'd, we'd love for you to be with us as we do that this evening. But I know some of you may have things going on with your family, uh, but just there won't be uh, our normal Sunday night services here tonight. We do thank the Lord for uh, so many of the freedoms that we have as, as a nation. We thank the Lord for the way that he has blessed us, but we recognize that today there are many uh, who are in great need. We think about the folks within our own community who are still struggling after uh, the storms. We think about those who are struggling health-wise today. Uh, we think about the families that uh, are living with broken relationships, financial stresses. But again, uh, the greatest need is those who have not yet experienced the freedom that comes in relationship to Christ. And so this morning, we want to continue to pray for those. We want to pray for the one who is on your heart. Uh, you're one that you've been looking for opportunities to share with and, and uh, talk about the gospel with. I was with the students at uh, our student camp this week, and uh, we were blessed to see um, a great number of students come to know Christ from all over the country that were there with us this week. And, and we praise the Lord for the freedom that they found in Christ. And maybe today you recognize that you're lost. Maybe you're there watching on television or on Facebook Live. And if you're really honest with yourself, you know you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Well, today I want you to know that you can find that freedom in Christ. You can experience what it means to have a relationship with him. And so I pray today that you would allow the Lord to speak, uh, that you would allow the Lord to lead you, and that you would be obedient to his call. Let's go to the Lord and pray.
Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity that you give us to spend time together. Lord, we thank you for Chase and his most important decision to follow you as Savior and Lord during Vacation Bible School. Lord, we thank you for uh, the, the number of students uh, throughout uh, all the different states that were represented at camp this week, those students who came to know you as Savior and Lord. And Lord, we thank you for those even today uh, who are going to recognize that they need a relationship with you. Lord, we know that you are still in the miracle-working business of moving people from spiritual death to spiritual life, and we pray that that might happen again today. For as great as our freedom is as Americans, as great as the freedom is to, uh, to, to be able to gather in this way, to be able to have the freedom to worship together and to share the gospel message with those around us, to, to speak freely, to, to have the, the numerous other rights that we have, no freedom is greater than the freedom that comes from sin when we are in a relationship with you. And I pray that if there's any here today that need to make that decision, that today would be the day that they would turn over their heart and their life to you as Savior and as Lord. Lord, go with us now as we continue to worship together. Lord, I pray that you would be honored and glorified by all that is said and done today. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to make a special announcement since we it's happened real quick for us. But next Sunday night, you do not want to miss here at 6 o'clock. We're going to have the Mark Trammell Quartet is going to be here in concert. It was something that came upon availability for us really quick so we didn't get in the bulletin. We have to get a lot of promotion this week about that, but keep that down. They're coming on a love offering, which is a great thing for us to get to have a group like that here. So that's next Sunday night, 6 o'clock, Mark Trammell Quartet. I hope you will all be here and get the word out for that. Well, we are celebrating our, our birthday of our nation, and we know that there has been many, many, many men and women who have served in our armed forces and have given their life over all the course of history of our nation. And I'm sure there's several of you out there who have also served in our armed forces. Well, this is some, one of my favorite aspects of uh, our Celebrate America, and that's a salute to our armed forces. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to be singing all of the songs of the five branches of the military. If When you hear your song, if that was the branch you served in, we want you to stand. And folks, I want you to clap. Even if nobody stands, just honor our country, honor those who have served. So get ready, we're going to do our salute to the armed forces, all right?
And this morning, as we honor all of those different branches of our military, we recognize also that there are many who gave the ultimate sacrifice, who laid down their lives that this cause of freedom uh, might be enjoyed by all of us today, that we might have these freedoms to come together and to worship, that we might have the freedom to be able to speak about our faith freely in the public square. And so this morning, I know that that touches many of your lives. It touches family. It touches many of you who serve because you serve with those individuals. And uh, we want to pray that uh, these families might feel comfort today and that our nation might be grateful for the sacrifice that was given. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, help me, Father, as we come before you on this Sunday morning, this Sunday before July the 4th, Lord, our hearts swell with pride as we think about what it means to be an American. Lord, we are a blessed people. Lord, because of our freedoms, we are blessed. But Lord, we recognize that our freedom came at a high cost. It cost the lives of many wonderful men and women who were willing to stand up and say, I will go and I will fight. Lord, for so many years there have been those who have been willing to put their life on the line that we might enjoy the freedoms that we have today. And so, Lord, we do pray for those families this morning who are hurting because of the loss of a loved one who gave that ultimate sacrifice. And, Lord, we do pray that as a nation that we would never forget the price that was paid. Lord, we pray that as a nation and as individuals, Lord, that we might stand up for those freedoms and not take them for granted, recognizing that, Lord, it only takes a generation forgetting what was paid for their freedoms, for those freedoms to be taken away. And so, Lord, honor the lives of these men and women. Continue to help us to remember. And, Lord, we thank you. We thank you so much for what they continue to mean to our nation, to our state, to this community, and even to this church, Lord. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm sure you all are thankful to be an American. Amen? Amen. And we're going to have time here just singing together. Some great patriotic songs. This is a long medley. I think they threw everything in but the kitchen sink. <laughs> but it's a time here to just to celebrate. You sing along with the choir as we sing all these things. And toward the end, I'll have you stand. But kids, you got a cue that you got to come and help us with a certain section. So be ready for that. So here we go. Let's sing together. Thankful to be in America. Stand with my 
Well, if you were looking for enthusiastic flag wavers, Brother Rockney, you hit it out of the park. They got it done. Amen. What a great morning. What a blessing. What a blessing to be an American. But what a far greater blessing to be a child of God. Amen. And we are thankful this morning uh, for many of us to know that we are both. To know that we have freedom because of the land in which we were blessed to be born. But more importantly, we have freedom because of the Savior who has saved us through his blood. And so this morning, if you will, turn with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the ability for us as Americans to sing about the great nation that you have blessed us in, but even more for us to lift up our hearts and voices in praise to you, recognizing you are the giver of all good gifts, and freedom is top on that list. And so, Lord, this morning, we thank you for the freedom that we have in Christ, the freedom that we have because, Lord, while we were yet still dead in our sins, Lord, while we were still yet dead in our sins and pushing you away, spitting in your face, Lord, that you saw fit by your grace to come for us. Lord, that you came as a man, you put on flesh, you dwelt among us. Lord, you wore the light, you continue to be the light, Lord, in the darkness that is this world. And Lord, we're so thankful that you lived that sinless, perfect life, that you went to the cross of Calvary, that you died in our place. But Lord, we are also thankful that we serve a God who's not dead in a tomb, but we serve a God who is alive. And because of that, Lord, we know that we have freedom. In relationship with you, we have freedom from sin, death, hell, and even the grave itself. And for that, we celebrate this morning. Lord, I know I'm a very weak vessel. I pray that you might hide me behind the cross, that only you'd be seen and only you'd be heard. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. A very quick passage this morning, only one verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 12. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me. But I will not be brought under the power of any. You may be seated. For 246 years, we have been calling ourselves Americans. And we have been celebrating our freedom and our liberty because of that designation. We have the freedom to live here in America as we see fit. We celebrate that we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. No one can tell us how to live. No one can tell us what to do for the most part. We have freedom. We have fought wars, as we saw this morning, as we honored our branches of the military. We sent countless men and women to far-off places. Many who gave their lives there fought these wars to protect that freedom that we hold so dear. Now, as we see here, there's a difference between having the right 
and a freedom to do something, to live as we please, and then actually doing what is most beneficial for us, making decisions that are actually best for us. And so if you will allow me this morning, I would like for us to take a very, very scientific poll as a church family of what it means to have freedom and whether or not we always choose what is best, okay? Will you indulge me in that for just a moment? All right, so I'm going to give you a scenario, and then I'm going to allow you, as good Americans, to vote on which of those scenarios that you're most often to participate in, all right? These are very serious. The first one is given the option at McDonald's between the apple slices or french fries. How many of you choose the apple slices? Wonderful. I'm glad that those people exist. How many of us get the french fries and then order a little bit bigger? Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm the french fry guy. Given the option, I don't know if any of you have ever done this, but you're in, a, you're in a big city, you're in a new city, maybe it's a historic city, and you have the option of going on a guided tour of the sites of that city, okay? There's two different ways that you can take that tour. Either one's going to give you the exact same information. You're going to have uh, the, the, the same uh, sites that you're going to get to see. But the first tour is by bicycle. The second tour is on an air-conditioned bus. How many of you choose the bicycle? A few of you. Praise the Lord. That would be cool, but I can't do it. How many of you choose the bus? I, I'm so out of shape. Yeah, there's probably only a couple members of my family that would make it on that bike ride. All right, well, given the option to read the book or wait for the movie, how many of you choose to read the book? I, I've got some readers. I thought we'd get some hands on that one. How many of you are watching the movie? All right, okay. Now, here is where the rubber meets the road. Given the opportunity... At the holiday dessert table, between unsugared fruit salad or the fruit cobbler with ice cream, how many of you are choosing the fruit salad? Ah, there's a few of you. Ah, praise the Lord. How many of you are choosing the fruit cobbler with lots of ice cream? Yeah. All right. So, I think you get the picture this morning. However... What if I were to ask you a tad bit more probing question? One that we might not feel so comfortable raising our hands on this morning, but I hope, hopefully in your heart you'll answer these questions as the Lord shows you. When the choice is between our sports and our hobbies, or spending time with our church family in worship, lifting up our hearts and our voices to the Lord in worship, spending time in His Word, what are we choosing? Are we choosing our hobbies? Are we choosing those sports? Are we choosing those things that... The world says those are the things you're supposed to be plugged into. Or are we choosing to spend that time with the Lord? When the choice is stepping up and sharing the gospel or hanging back and saying nothing like the rest of the crowd, what is our response? How about when we make a wrong choice and the results are going to be inconvenient for us? All of us were a teenager at times. And we all have made those decisions. Do we make another wrong choice to avoid the consequences? 
Or do we accept the results and deal with them in a God-honoring way, even if it's going to cost us? Those are the hard decisions that we have to make. Paul goes out of his way in his letter to the Corinthian church here to stress that we are free in Christ. We are free in Christ. I want, you, I want you to hear me say that this morning. In fact, John puts it this way. He tells us, if it's the Son has set you free, then you are free indeed. Christianity, hear me this morning. Hear me teenagers. Hear me adults. Christianity is not a religion. Rather, it is a relationship with a living Lord who died to set us free to pay the full price of our sin debt. And to set us free. And so this morning, I, I, I don't want you to hear me say that Christianity is about rules and regulations. It's not about do's and, and don'ts. This message is about our freedom in Christ and what it means to be free in Christ. And so that's a big deal. It was a big deal for the Corinthians. It's a big deal for us living in Benton, Kentucky in the United States of America here in 2022. In the Corinthians, it was, it was a big deal because they were coming out of a culture, they were coming out of a lifestyle of paganism, and many of their former activities were contrary to their new life in Christ. And so let me just give you a couple of examples of that this morning. First, there were temples to numerous gods and goddesses. And one of the religious acts, one of the religious practices in those pagan temples was prostitution. And so there would be male and there would be female prostitutes. And part of the way that they made money to keep those temples going was that they, they would charge you an offering, is what they would have called it, to go in and partake of the services of those prostitutes. And so clearly, this was contrary to the Christian's new life in Christ, but it was still a temptation for many of these young, new, immature believers. And so what Paul is saying here is that freedom means that you have rights. You have the right to do many things in Christ, but it is still not necessarily what is best when you choose to do those things that are contrary to your new life in Christ. So though you may have those rights, you may have those freedoms, it doesn't mean that all things will be profitable for you in your life. Another issue that was going on in the, in the Corinthians church was that there were animals that would be sacrificed inside of these pagan temples to these false gods of stone and of wood. And when these animals would be sacrificed, a small amount of that meat would be placed upon the altar. And that would be their sacrifice. But again, to, to try to finance these temples, a large part of that meat would be taken it would be taken to the local market. In the local market, the, the butcher would have the regular meat that was there, and it would be a certain price. And then there would be the meat that had come out of the temples, the meat that had been sacrificed to idols. And that meat would have been offered at a far discounted rate. And so the temptation was, was to go in and, and partake of that meat, or maybe it would e even to go to someone's home, knowing that that that's what was being served and to partake of that meat. And so the question came, did, did they have the freedom to partake of this meat? And the answer is, well, yes, they had the freedom to partake of that meat. But would it harm their testimony? Would it harm their testimony with many 
of these new believers who, who didn't know what it really truly meant to be free in Christ, what, what it meant to follow faithfully the Lord? And, and the answer is absolutely. It would affect their testimony in a great way. And so just because something is lawful doesn't mean it's profitable. And so these were just a couple of the points that Paul was making in his letter to the church. And so when we repent of our sins, when we place our faith in Christ, we are not instantly taken to heaven. Rather, we are allowed to stay in this fallen, sinful world for a reason. It's for testimony of the transformational work of the gospel inside of each and every one of our lives. And so the moment that you are saved, it's important for you to understand, if you've truly been saved, that you are at that moment eternally justified by the Lord. Meaning you are forever acquitted on all charges that the enemy might bring against you. Why? Because you are pleading the blood of Jesus. And his finished work on the cross of Calvary means that you are forever forgiven. However, we are also in the middle of another large word. And that word is sanctification. You say, well, Brother Brad, what does that word mean? What does sanctification mean? Well, it means that if we are truly in a love relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, we should be growing in our likeness to him on a daily basis. Meaning that I should look like, I should act like, I should love like, I should think like Jesus more today than I did on July the 3rd last year. And on July the 3rd of 2023, I should be acting like, I should be talking like, I should be thinking like, I should be loving like Jesus more then than I am today. I should be growing in likeness to Christ more every single day. And so this is the question that I want us to answer this morning. What is freedom in Christ? And I just want to make two very brief points. And the first is, it's freedom to grow. Look at the first part of verse 12. He says, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful. Again, Paul is stressing that our salvation is not merit-based. Meaning it does not depend on our strict adherence. To a set of rules and laws. And listen, that's important for many of us to hear. Because some of us, some of us came out of a faith tradition where we checked boxes. We checked boxes of if we read the Bible every day and if we prayed every day and if we came to Sunday school and brought our Bible every day. And those things are all well and good. But if we're doing it to check a box, then there's a problem. Because this is about relationship. This is not about rules and regulations. Paul tells us in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Salvation, relationship with Jesus, is a gift from God, not something that we have earned. It is the gift of God. And so our salvation is relationally based. It is based on our blood relation to Jesus. You say, well, Brother Brad, what do you mean by that? Through Jesus' death on the cross, he purchased my redemption, meaning he purchased my freedom out of my slavery to sin. And so Jesus paid that full price. He paid the full purchase price for my sins. 
For the wages of sin is death. That means the price for my sin, the price that had to be paid, was death. But Jesus' death now allows me, through a a faith relationship to him, to become an adopted son of God. If you have a faith relationship with Jesus Christ this morning, if you're a man, if you're a boy, then you have a sonship to him. If you're a girl, if you're a lady this morning, then you have the, the relationship of an adopted daughter of the King of Kings and of the Lord of Lords. And so there's a relationship now. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so as a son, listen to me this morning. As a son, I have rights and privileges this morning that can never be taken away. They are mine forever because I am a son of God. I have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not because I am a preacher. It is not because I'm a member of Brownsburg Baptist Church. It is not because I was baptized at the age of nine. It is because I have claimed the blood of Jesus Christ that I have that relationship. And since our claim to sonship is relational and not merit-based, my behavior, be it good or bad, is not the deciding factor on if I'm a son of God. If I make all the right choices today, that does not make me more a son of God. If I make all the wrong choices today, that does not make me any less a son of God. And so that brings us to the second part of that. Not all things are profitable. Not all things are profitable. My relationship with God is forever that of a son. However, my fellowship with God, hear me, my fellowship with God can certainly be damaged by the sinful choices that I make. Again, Paul is most directly speaking here to the sexual sins that were going on there in Corinth. If you fall into these sexual sins, you do not lose your salvation is what Paul is saying. He's saying you're not going to fall from grace because this is some unforgivable sin. But what he's also saying here is you will experience a loss of fellowship with the Lord. You'll you'll lose the intimacy that is to be yours with Christ. So when we blatantly choose to sin, whatever that sin may be, it cannot help. Listen to me. When we blatantly choose, when we knowingly choose to sin, it cannot help but negatively impact our walk with the Lord. Paul speaks of sexual sins. Sexual sins like adultery and pornography and homosexuality clearly put us at odds with the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. It clearly does. When our choices dominate our lives rather than our obedience to Christ, we will suffer the consequences. And that's true with a a sexual sin. That's that's true with any habitual sin in our life. And so we see this in the life of, of King David. Now, who was King David? King David was, hear me say this, King David was a man after God's own heart. And we see that throughout Scripture. We see that this is the man who spent countless nights out in in the pasture with the sheep, 
staring into the, the starry sky and just co- contemplating how great is our God and writing psalms about the greatness of our God. This is a man that took on Goliath, the champion of the Philistines. He didn't take him on with a sword and a shield. No, he took him on. He took him on with a sling and stone. But really, he took him on within the name of the Lord our God, recognizing that the Lord would fight for him. The victory was the Lord's. This is a man that would not harm God's anointed one, King Saul. Even when Saul was hunting him down to kill him, he wouldn't wouldn't strike King Saul down. This was a man after God's own heart. Listen to me, but yet... But yet, this was a man still who had battles with sin. This was a man who had still not won some of those battles in his life. Who had still not given over lordship of every aspect of his life. And how do we know that? Because this is still the man who chose to stay at home at the time when kings are to be with their armies on the battlefield. This is still the man who chose to fix his eyes on another man's wife. And had an adulterous affair with her. This is still the man who chose to pursue another man's wife. And then lie about it. When his sin had been exposed. He tried to cover it up. He tried to make it like it wasn't really him. And when that didn't work. When the cover up didn't work. This is still the man who chose to commit another sin. The sin of murder. When his cover-up plan failed. David's sins resulted in earthly consequences. The earthly consequence of death. All sin ultimately leads to death. And we see in 2 Samuel 12, 10 through 11, and then verse 14, he says, Now therefore, the sword shall never depart from this house, because thou hast despised me, and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will rise up evil against thee out of thine own house and I will take the wives before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbor and and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of the sun verse 14 how be it because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die David understood the weight of his sin. And David would eventually repent. He would repent of his sin. And he would turn away from that sin. And he would, listen to me, he would find, he would find forgiveness after he repented. But the earthly consequences were not taken away. The sword didn't depart from his home. And the child that came from that adulterous relationship did die. At the end of the day, the question comes, will this grow or will this stunt the growth of my relationship with Christ? Do you have freedom? Yes, you have freedom in Christ. But what are we doing with that freedom? The second part of this verse, freedom from sin. All things are lawful for me. The Corinthians were immature believers for the Immature believer, it seems like the question is always, how far can I go with this freedom to sin and not lose my salvation? Well, one, first of all, there is no losing your salvation if you are truly in a relationship with Christ. But two, 
That is altogether the wrong question, amen? That's altogether the wrong question. Our motivation should be to see how closely we can pursue Christ, not how far we can tiptoe on the line of sin. So I have people who will come to my office as a pastor. Knowing I'm a pastor, they'll come to me in the office. Sometimes they'll come to me out just in the community during social situations in the community. And they will tell me all the things that they see nothing wrong with. And yet they say, I'm still, I can be a good Christian and I can do this. I can be a good Christian. For instance, they'll profess to be a Christian. And they see nothing wrong with living together with their significant other outside of marriage. They'll profess to be a Christian. They see nothing wrong with, with a sexual relationship of whatever kind, whatever they desire. They, they profess to be a Christian. They see nothing wrong with, with drinking all they want. They're free. They profess to be Christians. They see nothing wrong with smoking whatever they want to smoke. They have freedom. They profess to be Christians, and they see nothing wrong with a little cussing here and there. I mean, it's just the, it's just the nature, it's just the atmosphere of my work environment. They profess to be a Christian. They see nothing wrong with you fill in the blank, and I've probably had them tell me that. This very man, though, named Paul, this very man who wrote, all things are lawful for me, also declared in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, this about what he did with this freedom. But I keep under my body, or I discipline my body. I bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be cast away. So what is he talking about here? Is he saying he's afraid he's going to lose his, his salvation? No. What he's saying here is he says, I'm beating my flesh, my old self, into submission. He says, the idea here is bruising the body. He's like, I'm having to fight with everything within me so that I do not ruin my testimony, so that I do not lose the opportunity to preach the gospel because I know what's within me. And I know that without Christ, there's nothing in me that is righteous. And so I continually am having to bring my life into subjection to the Lord. I'm continually having to remind myself that I can't do this on my own. Paul is saying, I am willing to sacrifice my freedoms so that I might not lose my testimony. And so the second part of that, but I will not be mastered. I will not be mastered by anything. Jesus Christ bought us out of slavery to sin in order to set us free. And we now serve our master out of love. Out of love. We will serve the master that we love the most. We know that to be true. Jesus tells us that we will either serve money or we will serve him. You can't serve both. You'll serve the master that you love most. And so the question comes, which master do you love? Romans 6, 18-21. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of the flesh. For as ye have yielded your members' servants to uncleanliness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Our choices will make it clear who we love the most. 
Are we following our own sinful desires, what we want to do? Are we following Christ? Is he truly our master? Is he truly our Lord? What are we doing with this freedom? Has anything, has anyone stolen your freedom and placed you back under the yoke of slavery, back under its mastery? Maybe your relationship with that significant other is not God-honoring. Well, who is master, the Lord or your partner? Maybe your, your sexual life is, is not God-honoring. Who is master, the Lord or your sexual desires? Maybe the refrigerator at home, maybe the pantry, its contents are not God-honoring. Who is master, the Lord or your favorite alcoholic beverage? Maybe another substance has control over your, uh, over your life habitually. Who is master, the Lord or your substances? Maybe your language away from church is not God-honoring in content or in tone. Who is master, the Lord, or your loose tongue? Listen to this. Maybe tradition in the church. Maybe just straight-up tradition, just like the, the Pharisees had. Maybe tradition in the church has greater sway in your life than the actual Word of God does. Who is master, the Lord, or your local church tradition? Having said that, I want to remind you once again of what we were talking about this morning. You are free in Christ. Do you hear me? You are free in Christ. Do you agree with that? Do you agree with that? You are free in Christ. Can you say that with me? I am free in Christ. Do you truly believe that? Or do you truly believe that you've got to check all the boxes? I've got to get it all right or I'm not going to be accepted. I've got to get it all right or, or God's not going to love me. Christianity is not a religion. Rather, it is the relationship with the Lord who bought us out of slavery to set us free to live for him. We are free in Christ. And having been set free, do not allow anything to master you. Do not let anything control you outside of your relationship with Jesus. We serve our master, Jesus Christ, out of our great love for him. Why? Because he first loved us. And if one is sacrificed so much to free us, let us not run back into the life of slavery. And so this morning I ask the question, are you free in Jesus? Because not all of us are just yet. Not all of us have that relationship. Have you turned away from your life of sin? Have you entered into a relationship with Christ by faith? Have you done that? Do you know you've done that? Would you like to live in freedom today? Jesus offers that freedom to you this morning if you receive him by faith. But maybe you are saved. Maybe you know you're saved beyond a shadow of a doubt. You know you have a relationship with Christ already. But still you are living like a slave to sin even though you've been set free. Are the sins you are indulging in hindering your testimony? Is your life still being mastered by sins that Christ has already redeemed you from through his blood? Are you living like you are free? Because if you're not, if you're not, I want you to know that this altar is a wonderful place to find liberty from whatever you've allowed to master you once again. You can give it over to him. You can give it over to Jesus. I want you to come this morning. I want you to come and I want you to find freedom in the arms of Jesus this morning. Do you need him as, as Savior? Do you need him as Lord? Do you need to experience that freedom? How is he speaking to you this morning?
Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for freedom. Thank you for the gift of freedom that we as Americans can understand in a way that so many of our brothers and sisters in Christ in other lands don't understand, not, not in their citizenship, because they're not free people, but we are. And so of all the people in the world, we all the more should understand the responsibilities of this freedom, what it means to be free, what it means to walk in freedom, what it means to honor the one who set us free. And so, Lord, this morning, if there's even one who has not yet come to you as Savior and Lord, I pray that today would be the day. If there's maybe one or many who need to come to this altar and give over some junk that's just put it back under its mastery, Lord, I pray that they'd come, Lord. Maybe there's some that need to come and, and make this their church home. I don't know what the, the issues are in everyone's heart today, but you do. And I pray that you'd help them to come and give it all to you. Lord, we love you. We thank you for our freedom in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And with us.